A good evening and a warm welcome to all witches, weirdos, goblins and ghouls you are listening to the London Horror Society podcast. This is the podcast where we chat to people working across the genre, whether they be established or emerging, in front of or behind the camera, from first assistant director to final girl. Without any further ado, grab yourself a glass of Chianti, sit back, relax, enjoy. Graham Humphreys, are you a witch, weirdo, goblin, or ghoul? Weirdo. Straight on to weirdo. Love it. There was no, like, wondering or anything. Um, why weirdo, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, well, you know, I just, uh, I've never really kind of fitted in, I guess. So. Um, you know, never wanted to either. Uh, so, yeah, uh, a weirdo. No, fair enough. I think uh, a lot of people within the horror realm can probably relate to that. I definitely can. Um, so I, I've read a little bit about you on your website, and of course I know your art. Um, I think a lot of people would know your art, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we do, could you just give me a bit of in- information on your background, how you kind of um, found your way into art, and ha- then how you found your way into uh, you know po- poster art? Yeah, certainly. Well, um, I'm from the West Country. Um, I went to art college in Salisbury and uh, I studied graphic design. And then um, I I tagged on the final year uh, to specialize in illustration work. Uh, So, yeah, that's really um, the the background, I guess, though. And then um, um, that was 1980. I finished there and uh, moved straight to London. And uh, which is, you know, was essential really because it's the only place where I was going to be able to find work. Um, this is obviously clearly before we had um, the internet and um, even a, a mobile phones, of course. And uh, so everything was um, a little bit more complex then um, in terms of trying to find work. You would just literally have to phone up people. Um, I didn't have a phone at the time, so I had to go to the local call box. I mean, it's all, <laughs> all but ridiculously mm-hmm. crude and basic, but um, that's how. <laughs> how uh, how I started just calling people, art directors, magazines, whoever would um, basically be able to answer the call and just try to arrange appointments and then um, you know drag a folio along of uh, my, my very um, not quite so good college work and um, just you know try to break into the business. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, um, the things I wanted to do were, were record covers and um, drum posters. I mean that that was definitely the um, the plan and. Uh, so I kind of achieved that fairly swiftly. I would probably take about um, a year or two years of sort of just, you know, doing um, anything that came my way, which was a lot of magazine work, um, educational publications, uh, you know, just bread and butter work, I would call that. Um, but, you know, it was, it's essential stuff because, I mean, you had to earn a living as well, so you basically take on anything you could get. And um, so it wasn't until about 1982 that... Uh, um, I got the, so what I, I would describe as the um, breakthrough job, which was um, uh, working with Palace Pictures and um, uh, uh, designing the uh, poster for the Evil Dead. And that, that was really kind of where I guess the career that people would know um, would recognize um, the starting. Mm-hmm. And then did it kind of go from there or was it kind of like a consistent 
Because the, you know, people trying to break into the uh, creative industries, you know, well, freelancer friends that I know, it's like a constant kind of push. You can't take your eye off the ball all the time. Like what kind of um, place was your career in after the, was it the Evil Dead UK release that you'd done? That's right. Yeah. Just the uh, yep. um, campaign. I mean, uh, you know, it was still a, a, a uphill struggle, you know, that there's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, you know, that was a lucky job, you know, it didn't pay that well, um, but it was, um, it, it did sort of kickstart a little bit of a career, I guess, in, in uh, I mean, you know, at the time it's, uh, um, VHS was, was, you know, obviously big for everybody and uh, um, because The All Dead was released uh, simultaneously, theatrically and on VHS. Um, so, so that was kind of seen by a lot of people and um, I did get, you know, a, a number of jobs where people just want me to kind of basically recreate the look of that um because i think you know the Evil dead did very well and uh i think people just think we well, just copy copy that emulate it and um whatever you know what you're churning out um that will do equally as well of course it doesn't work like that at all but uh, uh but yeah so i i think um after that it was well, it was quite hard to um get away from that job for a little while because people kind of tend to pigeonhole quite quickly and um mm-hmm. it was a very sort of cartoony kind of style and i did a lot of work like that uh, and um, so it wasn't really until um, uh, I, I did um, at Nightmare on Elm Street, Albert, um, yeah, that that kind of showed that uh, I, I, I could be a bit more versatile with the work I did. And, um, you know, but even then, you know, I have to say that, uh, you know, here I am at 62 years old and um, it's only been in the last sort of eight years, I think, that um, I've really been able to not have to seek work. Um, it's just kind of come and um, um, so I've just been busier now than I've ever been in my entire career but it's something yeah, it was a big struggle at the beginning and um certainly up until uh i guess about 1990 um and then of course you know we, we there was another issue that i had of course is um uh desktop computing kind of suddenly um took over the industry uh and you know people turned to photoshop for um their sort of cover solutions and uh so yeah, so it was a bit more difficult just for that little short period, and I, I did learn to you know use Photoshop skills, and I did a lot of design work, um, and there was illustration work still coming in, but it was you know it was, it was not in the way that it is now, um, you know because obviously there's been a, a bit of a resurgence um, or interest in the illustration work because I guess you know mm-hmm. after a while people just get fed up with the same old uh, you know Photoshop solutions and um, you know there's yeah. a look you, know, you, you get and uh, um, you know. As always, you know, things come in cycles and, you know, kind of a whole new kind of a, I guess, generation um, discovers the uh, joys of um, painted image, I guess, all over again. Of course, yeah, a lot of the work is digital now, um, but it's still you know, digital paint, I guess, though. But, you know, for myself, um, um, I trained in, uh, you know, sort of traditional methods and that's what I still use now. And I think, you know, in, in some ways, that's probably why I'm still getting word because, um, it, it doesn't look like it's digital at all, um, and uh, I think people do appreciate the um, the sort of the, the, the craft that goes into paint on paper, and um, you know the, the the look you get out of it, which is um, very hard to recreate digitally. I mean, people do you know have ways and means of um, you know creating that sort of hand painted look, but um, mm-hmm. you know it is it's um, that seems like a bit of a faffery. I mean, what what would you, you want to recreate when you can actually just do it? You know, I think. If I was honest with myself, it's probably a case of if you screw it up, you just 
control Z, command Z. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then you can have another go. But I think that's part of the charm of anything that's made by hand, whether it's illustration or calligraphy or, you know, anything like that is you can see the the hours, months and years that have gone into being able to make it as beautiful as it is. Does that make sense? It does. Um, yeah. You know, that, that you, you, you made a very good point there as well, that, um, uh, you know, it's it very much reliant on the experience of, 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 uh, you know, sort of 40 odd years, um, working. So the, the, the work I do now is really the sum of all, all of that time. So the, the illustrations might themselves might only take about three or four days. Um, but you know, that, that's kind of 40 years worth of experience, you know, which allows me to do that. Uh, but yes, the, um, I mean, the thing about paint is, um, on paper, I mean, you obviously don't want to spill water over it, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, everything gets scanned in, uh, uh, for digital delivery anyway, though. So, um, there is the option to, um, do a bit of retouching if it's needed, um, and perhaps, you know, uh, create a bit more contrast, you know, things like that. I, I sure. try not to, um, do too much to stuff once it's scanned in, because I think that, uh, quite like, um, the work to be pure. To, to what's actually uh, the paint on the paper and um mm-hmm. you know there's a bit of value extra value as well and as much that um you know i can sell the paintings um, at a later stage you know, they will remain my property and uh you know if anybody's going to want to wanting to buy a painting they're going to you know want it to look like the, the image they've seen in print um so yes and the idea of uh retouching stuff is something i'll try not to do if i can avoid it mm-hmm yeah, no, that makes sense. Just just jumping back to kind of that that early point in your career when you were in London around the early nineteen eighties, how did that Evil Dead project come about? Uh, well, like most things in life, you know, just being in the right place at the right time. It's um, yeah, it's sort of a, a very sort of convoluted thing. It was um, um, I I had some friends I'd known from art college and um, um. You know, all these people kind of ended up working different companies um, around London, and uh, one particular friend was working for um, a design agency in Bond Street, <clears throat> and uh, they, uh, well, I used to go in quite a lot, just because I had a lot of spare time to be quite honest, um, and I uh, just hang out a little bit um, every now and again, and uh, it was just, uh, I think it was literally just the secretary that was working there at the time, um, who'd taken an interest in uh, what I was doing, and um, she was very good. She gave me a list of um, people she knew. Um, she, she seemed to have um, friends who were in the industry, uh, art directors and the like. And uh, so she happened to mention um, Palace Pictures, who'd um, literally just um, started business um, based in the old um, Scarlet Cinema in King's Cross. And uh, um, so she gave me their number and uh, I literally made an appointment, went along and um, showed the work. And uh, that's really where the Evil Dead um, commission came from, just on the basis of um, some of the pieces I had in the phone. Yeah. Fantastic. And what is the process like when you when you kind of agree to um, you know do a project between yourself and the person that's uh, kind of commissioning the illustration? Could you, could you tell me a little bit about the workflow? Like uh, how much input do they have versus how much input you have? Or are you, are you expected to kind of um, present several ideas or sketches or scamps and then it kind of goes from there? Or what, what what's that like? Well, yeah, generally um, speaking, when you get a commission, uh, um, 
I mean, if it's a film, um, you know, Blu-ray cover or whatever, then then you would uh, expect to see the actual film um, first. Now those would uh, nowadays those covers are usually uh, you know streaming. I'll, I'll just watch a film on usually sort of um, you know it's just like a basic kind of video link, and uh, uh, I can take grabs from that. Um, in the past, it would be um, you'd be sending a VHS tape or a, you know a CD. Um, DVD. Uh, so yeah, you, you you watch the film, get your ideas. Sometimes the client would have um, specific elements they'd want to introduce. I mean, perhaps if there's a, a well-known actor, an actress, then they'll obviously want to feature that person because it's a selling point. They'll obviously have an idea about how they want to market the film as well. So you know, you would um, concentrate on certain aspects. You know, probably there be might be some sort of color. Um, a requirement as well, just you know, to make it stand out on the shelves. Uh, but generally, I mean, nowadays people kind of trust me to do what, what I think is um right for the job. Um, but yes, I do uh, um, present sketches uh, usually, probably between four, maybe five, six, seven, eight ideas, r- uh, rough layouts, and then uh, on the basis of those, um, whenever the client can be first, then I'll, I'll go straight to artwork. So I don't do color. Um, Visuals. So I used to do that in the past, but um, again, I think it's a question of trust that the client, uh, you know, expects me to, to to know what I'm doing. And um, so yeah, so it's really uh, uh the sketch stage. I mean, when when I see a film, well, I'm going to have to watch it about three times. Number one, just to uh, get you know understand what the film is, um, what the um story is, and uh, see where it's going. <clears throat> the second time will be just to really identify the um. The best you know, visual moments, um, and then a uh, third time I'll just literally go through it slowly and take lots of uh, uh, screen grabs. Or if it's a Blu-ray, then I'll, I'll literally got to do a, um, <clears throat> play it on the TV and just take photographs of the um, of the screen. Um, and um, yeah, it might take about sort of fifty to hundred pictures, and um, often just go to the internet and just see what else is available. Um, you know, in terms of images at all. I mean, you know. You can't find everything you need in in the film sometimes, and you know, so extra stuff you have to just you know, find yourself or take your own pictures. And I've got a you know, big library of photographs I've taken over the years, and quite often I'll be photographing my own hands, you know, for um, close ups. And my hands are quite expressive. Um, you know, sometimes you go to the face, then uh, a bit a bit of foreground um, uh, stuff going on is quite useful. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I might use some props, I guess though. And uh, yeah, recently I did um, a sort of poster for uh, it was like a private commission for a group. Um, they wanted a, a, a their own kind of bespoke poster for the Monster Squad, and they were insistent they had all you know, all the five kids in there. And um, yeah, it was very hard to get. I mean, the film was quite. Um, I, I just found it's quite blurry, and um, it's very hard to get. Uh, you know, full full body shots. They wanted full body shots, and. Uh, you know, mostly you get close-ups and, you know, the the, the, the smaller budget is on a film, then the more you just find that, you have know, these mm-hmm. close-ups and, you know, medium shots, you know, because it's just, I guess I don't want to, you know, it's, it's a way of saving money not to have too much fucking in, in camera. But uh, I ended up having to um, photograph myself for, uh, you know, all the five different poses and, um, you know, being of a small stature, I could, <laughs> some, uh, I could get away with being sort of quite childlike. And, uh, but, you know, there was a sort of general larger kit and I had to come up and play around in Photoshop. And, um, you know, if you see the uh, image, you will notice that um, 
but all, all the kids are wearing the same trousers and shoes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so yes, um, ways and means of getting around what, what reference you have. And, um, and you're trying to disguise your reference material. If, if you've got, um, if it's an older film and they're there, you know, there's going to be a number of, uh, well-known images from it. What you don't want to do is just keep repeating those same images. So. Mm-hmm. You know, have to be quite skilled at identifying, you know, what, what the best um, reference material is to use and, um, you know, try not to do the um, obvious stuff. Is is that something that you feel that you like have a knack for or is that something that develops over time or how how, how does that work? Yeah, I, I guess it's, uh, again, back to that experience thing that, um, you know, uh, yeah, over the years you've kind of learned how to... Uh, uh, um, process the visuals, I guess, and um, and uh, you know, be confident, I suppose, about what you're doing. And um, the confidence thing is something that you know it's really important, and it's something that uh, it, it, you know, it's still you still get periods of um, self doubt. Of course, you do, but uh, it's it, you know, once you've got something in your head, you can um, you know, you just you just get it down as fast as you can. And uh, I mean, I, I quite often I'll, I'll actually dream. Um, the layouts because uh obviously if a job's in my head um there's that little little uh moment when you're waking up in the morning and um sometimes something will present itself and um you know i tend to go with my gut instinct that uh, if something's being dreamt then it's probably um it's probably the right thing to, to go with so yeah it happens uh I, i'd say you know probably 50 percent of the time when i'm working on something yeah if it's playing around in my head that that's really how how um layouts and uh, you know concepts will happen I mean, hopefully that's a good indicator that you enjoy what you do, because I would imagine the vast majority of people in the world do not want to be dreaming about work. Um, <laughs> I don't want um, to be dreaming about it. It's true. Well, but yeah, it's a, sure. Yeah, it's a, but, it, yeah. but they're probably much better dreams than, you know, uh, some jobs that I've worked for sure. Um, uh-huh. So so with that, like, what is your, I mean, I, I imagine it's probably different with every commission, but do you, do, do you have a kind of certain uh, time of day that you like to work or if things are kind of coming to you in the morning, are you, are you booking it out of bed straight to the studio to kind of get that down onto paper or what, what are well, your next moves? Yeah, the, the bed is actually about five feet away from where I'm sitting. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not, you don't have to go very far. No, I, I, I was working from um, a sort of studio space, you know, uh, within a company, um, yeah, probably over the years, uh, probably a good 30 of the um, 40 years I've been working. So there was a, a bit more of a discipline. You actually, you know, you, you got off your ass and got into a, you know, a location, or, you know, got, you did your sort of commutes as such. Um, just since the pandemic, I've been working from home and actually it's been um, fine. So uh, I relinquished the space I was using and, um, you know, I'm just literally kind of where I was when I started, I suppose, really in this same corner. <laughs> uh, funny enough. But uh, yes, I'm quite, I am quite disciplined about work. Um, everything has a deadline and, um, you know, you need to get it done. And, um, you know, you have to respect the clients, you know, needs. And uh, so uh, I, I tend to work, uh, you know, generally office hours simply because that's when, um, you know, people are going to communicate with you um, within their own hours. Uh, but, but yeah, of course, I'll work into the evening if I have to and quite often on the weekends as well, if I need to as well. Um, but yeah, you, you, if you're freelance, you have that little bit of um, freedom to actually play around with those hours, I guess, and as as when needed. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 as I say, I'm quite disciplined about um, hours and getting stuff done. And is 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 there any kind of um, like specific materials that you feel like you have that that you really want to use? Um, or are you quite flexible in in kind of the the materials that you're using? Or well, over the years, I mean, you know, I, I trained at college to use um, designers' gouache for all my painting. And um, so that's what I'm still using now. Uh, I, I guess, you know, you, you play around with things. And, uh, and probably in the early days, on, I had a sort of technique I developed, which used a bit of oil pastel work and um, uh, colored uh, colored pencils as well. And, uh, and, you know, just over the years, I kind of just found that some, I kind of dropped the additional stuff and just, you know, it's all purely um, gouache now. And, and, you know, so I've learned... The techniques kind of you know, has uh, evolved, I guess, over time. Um, but so uh, you know, it's kept quite pure now. Um, I mean, I've got the, the the other thing I've done is learned to um, just stick with the basic sets of uh, pigments as well, where I'm having you know a huge array of um, all the different color greens and blues and everything. You can't just stick to a very small number of um, uh, pure colors, which you can just mix everything from those. And, also, the paper I'm using is that I've been using for the last uh, probably thirty years or so because it's just you know I know what works and it's a burst on all surface and um gives me all the textures that uh, I, I like to use and um, yeah so it's kind of a it, it's a, it's a pretty prescribed thing nowadays. I mean I guess the challenge is to keep the work evolving. And, um, you know, trying to repeat yourself too much in, in the way you approach things, you know, you, you don't want to kind of, uh, you want, don't want to have a formula as such as it just gets, you know, you use over and over again. But um, that kind of is pretty reliant on the um, subject matter anyway. Though. I mean, the, the, the um, you know, the commissions themselves will shape what you do um, and, and the subject matter will shape what you do. Yeah. So that's where, I guess, you know, you, you, you hope that things will look different. Yeah, for sure. I like, uh, as you're saying with the pigments and I imagine having just um, an array of them, like every color under the sun kind of becomes a bit, I mean, I think I've said this a few times on the podcast, like when you can do literally anything, like what do you do, you know, and it's kind of good to be, I don't think limited to the right words, but kind of more, have a more focused palette um, that, 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 that you kind of draw from. Well, the only thing is, of course, is that, um, you know, all, all the work I do is, is ultimately for print. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some stuff, yeah, it just goes online, of course it does, but, uh, mostly, you know, that that's my job as an illustrator is to, to, um, do stuff, which is, uh, for physical media. Um, so, you know, it's posters, Blu-ray covers, you know, record covers, magazine work, book covers, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, so you have to be aware of what, what will actually translate into print, you know, because, um, you know, something I had to learn, um, um, and in sort of, I guess, after leaving college, really, you, you, you realise that certain things just don't print very well, certain colours. So you, you you have to know what will reproduce well. And, that, and nowadays, I find that um, I don't have any issues with um, the colours I use. I, mean, I, I have uh, a couple of illustrator friends who struggle with this idea that um, they work digitally. You know, they work in um, screen colours, and of course, when once you convert screen colours to um, you know, separate for print. Um, you know, you go from red, green, and um, blue screen colors to you know blue, yellow, black, 
and red and uh, um it, it just kills the um luminosity um right. and, and you know certain greens just don't you can't print certain greens and uh you know with with processed colors when you go to print cost and um, oranges um will, will not they'll, they'll look at it dirty and uh one of the things you learn is that um, if you uh, use certain colors against each other you know contrasting colors um what it will do is just actually enhance the the, the look of those um colors which don't reproduce so well so if you're using orange for instance you can use um you know some sort of blue against it or, or green and what it will do is just it gives the illusion that um that color orange is much brighter than it actually is so that's another thing i've learned over the years what the, the color palettes themselves um have adapted to to um maximize the kind of the look on print it sounds kind of like um a similar principle to like cooking or baking like you've got the <laughs> it's di- bit like... Di- yeah like the, the different kind of flavor profiles that balance each other out but just you know obviously visual rather than and i hope people aren't eating your paintings uh <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah i guess i guess that's you know everything's about balance really ultimately when it comes down to it and yeah, I imagine that's another another one of those things that just you you learn over over time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, no, I think it's a very good analogy. And uh, uh, yeah, it's certainly um, obviously I have my own approach to to the work I do, and uh, yeah, my own preferred ways of working. And um, yeah, there, there are sort of uh, color palettes which uh, reoccur, and simply because I think you know that they seem to work for the sort of subject matter i mean um you know when you're looking at horror films and you know there, there are kind of tropes i guess and uh you know you, you can't sort of escape those um mm-hmm. but sometimes you know it's, it's it's interesting to kind of work against uh um what's expected so uh you know for many many years um you would see a lot of blue uh you know night night colors i guess moonlight mm-hmm. colors uh, in horror films and i always you know try to do stuff which was not you know those nighttime colours, so uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you work against that, and uh, um, yeah, for me that's kind of more interesting, I guess. Though you know, I, I tend not to use a lot of blue in the work um, simply because it's um, you know natural colours are, are uh, I'm too comfortable, I guess. So I, I like to use uh, unnatural colours. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I think you've got a really good um, eye for uh, different skin tones as well, uh, particularly the "What We Do in the Shadows" uh, poster. Um, that kind of, you know, is 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 there an element of because you, I, I, you know, this is just pure speculation. Like I imagine you want it to be distinctive, but it needs to kind of stand out and have like another worldly kind of look to it it needs to be kind of you know eye-catching and and stuff like that like how how do you balance that um or you i mean you may have already answered that question um in what you were saying just now but but yeah could you could you kind of give me a bit of an insight into that well you, well, you, you use that it? example just now and that's a good good one to use because um it, you know when you've got uh sort of four big headshots on a poster um then, uh, you know, if you're just using flesh tones, then, you know, you kind of just end up with this kind of big fleshy, fleshy mess, really. Sure. And, uh, you know, the idea is that, um, you can, you can, um, use colorways just to, uh, you know, uh, signify different characters. And, uh, you know, the thing is, the, I think, you know, the human mind is very good at, um, um, you know, 
unpicking stuff you know if, if somebody's faces are if you paint it blue and another one green and another one purple then you know the the brain still uh sees you know recognizable human form and um mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's uh it doesn't have to be flesh colors to be you know human um should we say and i, I probably something i learned from looking at film posters when i was a lot younger that uh you know i realized that quite often um you know rather than using natural colors um you know that there'd be sort of heightened a heightened reality and um you know it, it's again i think the the brain's perfectly capable of um uh, recognizing you know human form without some having to have the pure you know human colors mm-hmm. and speaking of uh in human colors one of my favorite posters of yours um is for one of my favorite films of the last maybe 10 years or so for uh psycho gorman um oh yeah yeah uh really love that film it's um it just took me by surprise completely and it's kind of it, it's really interesting because it's that mix of um new and kind of older styles of filmmaking in terms of the um uh, the practical sets the practical costumes and the practical effects that they did um i i just kind of wanted to ask you about how I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Apologies. Um, you know, you started with Evil Dead and you've done Nightmare on Elm Street, um, House of a Thousand Corpses. And, you know, you can kind of track horror films through your posters. Like, could you give me a bit of an insight or just any thoughts that you might have on kind of where horror was when you started and where it is now? Like, it'd be really interesting to hear from your perspective, what things are wildly different what things overlap, what things are exactly the same, like what, what's changed. Um, yeah, that's an interesting, uh, question. And it's, um, I'm sort of struggling to kind of think where I can take that. I mean, I, I guess that, uh, our audience expectation has changed, um, significantly over the years. And, uh, you know what's interesting for me is that um i've just seen so much of uh an interest in the films in the 1980s you know there's um uh you know a lot of uh, reissues of, of facts of i suppose a golden age for a lot of people you know uh, um and remakes of course from that era mm-hmm. um and uh it, it's interesting because I, I you know i've had my work um identified as being you know probably quintessentially of that era which uh, I don't think it is because I, when I was doing my work in the 1980s, I was, I was referring back to, you know, posters, beaming posters from the 1950s and 60s, uh, 40s perhaps even. So that, that's really where my, um, my, my kind of, um, um, I guess, my exploration was at the time. And um, I guess because, um, you know, you kind of take all these influences and make them your own. So I guess that's where, um, you know, that identifiable style might have evolved, I guess, though. That, uh, so rather than The Evil Dead looking like it was a pastiche of the 1940s and 1950s, um, it kind of just took on its own kind of a texture, if you like. And um, so I guess that, that kind of makes it part of that era. And, um, you know, for me, um, um, a lot of those uh, horror films are nice and 80s, quite, you know, visceral and... Um, and that's why, you know, as far as I was concerned, they needed a heavily textured um, illustration and technique just to kind of try to uh, um, 
I guess, emulate the sort of uh, the feel of the film. I mean, it's, you know, for me, I've never liked um, glossy illustration work. That's not to say that it's, it's bad. It's just mm-hmm. that that's not my preference. So, for instance, when I was at art college, you know, people were uh, really fascinated and, you know, everybody wanted to do airbrush work, you know, just kind of hyper real mm-hmm. um, kind of look, you know, the people just love the idea of, you know, being able to kind of uh, uh, recreate the look of Chrome, you know, and, um, and, and this kind of very sort of smooth, um, you know, to me, un- unrealistic kind of look. I guess and I, I just really didn't like that at all. And uh, it, it's, you know, partly probably because of um, the era that uh, we were in, you know, pre-1976, 1977, and, uh, you know, um, yeah, everybody's listening to punk rock. And, um, you know, that, that was just a, I the, again, it's like a texture, I guess, a music texture. It's kind of like aggressive and rough and um, um, was, you know, very um, unlike the sort of prog rock, I guess, which was uh, quite dominant at the time. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, describe as being, it's like the airbrush music, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I was more interested in the punk rock stuff. And um, that's really uh, probably how, how my illustration style develop but um you know i guess looking over the uh sort of 40 decades of my work um certainly if you look at nightman l street that poster against evil dead you can see there's a, a huge difference and mm. that's the way of responding to to the films at the time and uh yeah probably um you know you mentioned psycho gorman or i really don't know how to place that really because uh you know i was just doing what i thought was right for the film and um um Probably there is a sort of a nod to classic posters from the nineteen eighties and um, yeah, other people's work. This this would be, and yeah, an element of B movie stuff, you know, from the fifties sort of, um, and sixties. I mean, that there's an element of that in the film anyway, though. So, um, so yeah, I kind of uh, yeah draw from wherever I think I think the um, reference will will work best, and uh, you know, every job responds to it in a different kind of way for that reason. Um, so. You know, in terms of ha- have films changed? Well, they have, I guess, that uh, technology is driven, mm-hmm. changed. And also, as I say, once again, audience expectation as well, though, because, um, you know, I think that uh, it, it's, it, it, I go to the Fright Fest every year in Leicester Square. And um, so each year you get a, this kind of, uh, you, you do kind of see a kind of a, um, a general trend in films. Um, and and it's very much influenced by um, probably you know real world um, issues mm-hmm. that going on at the time. I mean, I, I, you know, filmmakers respond to to to, to what goes on around them, and um, um, you know, horror films are a great metaphor for, for, for things that we um, you know fear and uh, um, you know, can quite process, I guess. Though, and um, it's a great way to explore how we deal with fear and um you know it's can be sort of a cathartic or thing to to what something um which you know has its its genesis i guess in 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 something which um has been disquieting so you know over the years you'd see um probably lots of uh films with a sort of body horror then maybe another year be um sort of home invasion would be the big thing and um you know obviously completes the fears of stoked by um you know, Brexit and Donald Trump were getting the whole immigration was just a fourth on everybody's mind. And, uh, but yeah, blood horror, I guess, you know, during the 
1980s when um, the um, you know, AIDS was a terrifying thing for a lot of people. And I think that um, films responded to that. So you had a lot of uh, uh, body horror and, um, you know, uh, disease-led stuff, for want of a better way of putting it. But I mean, I, I think you know, the zombie genre kind of, it, it's very much um, uh, an answer to that as well. Um, you know, sort of, I guess people fear death and uh, you know, seeing the living dead is you know, quite, um, quite an interesting kind of metaphor for so many things. So the sort of uh, mm-hmm. living death of people kind of, you know, seem to exist in sometimes though. I mean, um, I think Romero's uh, trio of films kind of, you know, handled that very well though this sort of uh, especially i think um at dawn of the dead you know this kind of a uh, you know, setting in a shopping mall and there's just people just surrounded by this consumerism and um you know, sort sure. of this kind of death-like state but yeah i think i think that's that's really how films change and evolve it's really a, you know a response to you know the times and um, i'm sure you know we're going to be getting a lot of responses to um um russia's invasion of ukraine i mean that, that's going to play out in horror films and you know, we'll see that in the next year two years probably how, how that plays out mm. yeah yeah that makes sense like one one thing that i did wonder was if you'd ever had any pushback from the um you know bbfc or um mpaa for any of the posters or uh, well i don't i don't really know if they're the body that kind of decide about uh those but i'm sure there is a body um for kind of advertising and promotion like with you know talking about the 80s and the 90s and stuff a lot of films were banned like the video nasties and stuff like that i don't know if you worked on any of those specifically but you know around, around that time where horror was kind of becoming more and more mainstream like did you have to rejig any of the work that you had done before it could go out well, largely, um, I was kind of aware of what, what would be acceptable anyways. I mean, you, you, I think in your own mind, you kind of, you, you kind of have your own parameters, I guess, though you kind of know what's going to offend and what isn't. And um, there's certain things you, you, you don't do because you know it's going to be in a public space. And um, certainly uh, VHS sleeves um, at the time, uh, there was a, an advertising standard set up specifically for VHS covers. Mm-hmm. And um, so they would have to be passed, and I get a little uh, sort of logo on them. Um, and yeah, so certain things you couldn't do uh, um, at the time. But I mean, I think the only the only real I had two um, two jobs I worked on, which did um, um, come a bit of a cropper in some ways. Uh, one of them was um, Freddy's Revenge, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. Uh, and only really on the advertising um, around cinemas, particularly in Leicester Square, I noticed they did big hoarding. And uh, for some reason, I think it, I think I can't remember exactly what year the date Jamie Bolger um, yeah, murder happened, but I think it was part in part because of that, uh, which will obviously sure. kickstart the um, uh, video nasty um, stuff. But uh, um, they they because it had a school bus on it you know it's just uh, they kind of had to, they had to remove the sure. word school bus on it and also um and just to you know tame even further remove the uh knives from um freddie's hand which kind of just a little bit stupid then because <laughs> that was a whole point of sure. poster really and then yeah, uh yeah. we did um, 
a poster for um, Peter Jackson as um, Brain Dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was a very swift poster. It was a it was a photographic poster. So I, I worked on it, but um, yeah, there was no illustration involved there at all. It was just a still from the film, which was um, a very bloody still. Of course, yeah, the whole thing is absurd and humorous. That's the whole point. And uh, so the main character was kind of you know, had a sort of uh, I guess it was like a strimmer or something he was using, and he was just you know. He's completely covered in blood, and there's blood flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. So just a big bloody picture, basically. And uh, and the um, the London Underground had their own set of uh, rules and regulations to to what would um, be acceptable. So, for instance, you couldn't show people smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain things just weren't allowed. And they they um, refused to uh, uh, use the poster on the underground, which of course was actually the main arena that we uh, were actually advertising on. Sure. So uh, the um, there was no time to do anything else. So uh, the, the only solution uh, was to just simply not use the red ink on the poster. So <laughs> just ended up being this green poster, and that was apparently acceptable. So uh, yeah, a very silly, but some um, because yeah, the image was the same. We everybody could tell it was just a very bloody image, mm-hmm. um, but it's just in green rather than red. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like the strange solutions that you need to come up with sometimes just to kind of. Well, bend the rules um but yeah i think you know you see that in film as well um uh you know certain sequences being put in black and white uh so that they can get past certain uh review boards and things like that um you uh you mentioned uh punk music just now and uh you've recently done um i think is it recent work that you've done with the damned for the recent release yeah yeah, that's right. That's uh, yeah, um, new record coming out in April. Uh, yes, uh, I, I mean that. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, big fan of the Damned, and I have done bits and pieces for them over the years. Just um, you know, t-shirt designs and such like. And uh, I guess this is the first time I've actually done a, a, an actual record cover for them. But yeah, that happened because um, um, singer Dave Vanian wasn't very happy with the direction the record company were taking in uh, taking the cover towards. Uh, he just wasn't happy with the to some visuals he's being fed and uh, uh because we've done a bit of work together um i think in particular the uh night of a thousand vampires um event they did at the palladium theater uh we did a poster for that which was a uh, you know very much in this sort of mode of a sort of 1930s i think that was the uh uh concept of 1930s horror film mm-hmm. um so he, he you know i think there was a position of trust there that he, he knew that i i could probably um represent his own vision of the way things should look and so this year's just drafted in the last minute just before christmas and um told that it'll be two weeks before the uh cover had to go to print and um so he showed me what had been done already mm-hmm. uh he wasn't very happy with it and yeah, it's really um making use of the title there was a title treatment which was basically the name of the album darkadelic but picked out in um same style as the Hollywood sign that they, that kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, folds and, and that kind of arrangement of letters as well. Though. So, uh, um, so that was something that had to appear already. But um, you know, it's kind of very much about um, having a picture of the band and just ha- 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 how you know that that would play um, alongside the the logo. And his idea was that uh, um, the lights all should be. The letters themselves, as if they, they were cut out of a, of, you know, 
uh, a, a, a sheet or something and then light source was behind and shining through and his reference point was um um joel computer is the thing we just see that logo at the beginning just a light color shining through just being picked out mm-hmm. uh and so there was that and then um i i just found another john carpenter reference which uh, seemed to work quite well which is um um the poster for inner mouth of madness which um mm-hmm. Actually, it's, uh, it's, it's like a shot of a book, you know, uh, kind of seen from the top and with the pages kind of flicking and um, the, the flipping of the pages actually has some of the imagery from the film as well, um, kind of emanating. And so really that, that was the uh, um, the idea for that. And actually, of course, the other thing is um, referring back to uh, what we're doing in Shadows, that piece of artwork. But again, I've just picked out all the different faces in different colours because um, that just seems to be a natural way of... Um, you know, avoiding just you know, all flesh tones again. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. So yeah, so uh, and there's been a bit of ancillary work on that as well because um, because I guess the um, a lot of the themes in the in, in record and um, the whole dark Adelic thing with the Hollywood sign, uh, it will yeah, there, there's sort of a lot of filmic reference there. So um, when the record company said to, as a part of promotion for the um LP, they would want to do a kind of like a fake film poster, I guess mm-hmm. um. Um, uh, uh, in the darkadelic world, which uh, you know, they were, I mean, um, one of, a couple of references I was given um, were um, the, the Avengers TV series, for instance, and uh, and uh, in a sort of film noir, and um, there were some uh, <clears throat> a couple of videos made for uh, um, to promote the um, some of the tracks on the album, and uh, <clears throat> so there were some images already. Uh, I, I could actually draw on, but my main inspiration was um, it's a beautiful poster for a uh, film, um, Danger Diabolique, uh, and uh, so that was kind of my, my sort of inspiration source for that. And uh, so yes, there's a poster as well which um, exists to 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 add to the LP cover. Nice. Is there is there much of a difference in working with um, uh, you know musicians and filmmakers or? Is it, um, or would you say record labels and studios? That, that, that's well, another point, uh, actually. That, well, with, another it, with music, um, there are egos, of course. <laughs> really and they're, are they not egos in filmmaking at all? There are lots of egos in filmmaking. <laughs> it be behind the camera, usually. But yeah, um, uh, I guess with, with bands, it, yes, it, it is a different kind of thing. Um, uh, but it, interestingly, any band that comes to me for a, a record, cover i'll be working with a band for instance um gamma bomb who are an irish kind of a thrash metal band mm-hmm. but all their uh all their reference points are, are, are in film so in fact actually uh you, you kind of find you you're approaching record cover works in the same way you're, you're approaching film poster works i mean i guess there you know there's a kind of a narrative thread somewhere about up in there and um uh and you know for instance if you look at um we know the iron maiden comes always used so they have this kind of main character eddie um over and over yeah. again and in the same way that you know when i worked on uh sort of um the fright fest post for each year we are you know got a character i use each time and uh interestingly galabon have their own little um sort of mascot character who is appearing on the uh certainly the last two covers i've done for them and um so i guess yeah there, there are uh, i mean to that extent you know that there there is similarity that i find and i i we just tend to approach those things like as if they're films anyway mm-hmm. i mean over the years you've done a lot of incredible work 
Um, is there anything that kind of sticks out as like a lesson you've learned or did you have like a a penny drop moment of like, oh, that's how I should approach this, whether it's the kind of business side of things or the um, or the illustration side of things. Is, is there like one moment that kind of sticks out for you that you can't, that's, feel you feel like has kind of changed your approach or the way that you go about things there were a couple of things uh i was really uh, relate back to the early days i suppose um for instance when we did the evil dead poster um you know i made the title very much part of the artwork so it's painted on mm-hmm. uh and it was yeah, an essential um part of the layout and uh i think that's something i I realized was probably a mistake um but it was fine for the you know because it was basically just intended for the uk market but there were other projects where um and it's pointed out that um if they went to other territories abroad there would be a, a language change and then you know the title had to change and so i i, I realized actually painting a title onto a place was not a good idea and um and and then yeah the other thing we did have with how with the evil dead and nightmare on Elf street um, because in both instances, I was commissioned to do quad um, format posters. <laughs> and then, of course, they were going to be using, um, they were hoping to use the same artwork, of course, for the VHS covers. But of course, the, you know, the format's completely different. Yeah, I go from landscape mm-hmm. to portrait. Uh, so in those instances, I had to repaint um, um, the posters, uh, which, you know, had to be done quite fast and done. Um, with um, you know, not not great results. I don't think. I mean, I, I think the Evil Dead, the Evil Dead Two, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, whereas Freddy's Revenge actually began life as the the portrait format, mm-hmm. um, uh, and then had to be repainted for um or posted, um, yeah, in slightly different form. Uh, yes, but uh, um, so yeah, kind of knowing that uh, you know, some stuff has to um reappear and uh in in different formats, mm-hmm. um. It's kind of knowing that there are ways and means of dealing with that, which I didn't understand you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, even now, I still get occasional jobs where they say, well, this will also have to work as a sort of you know, banner across the website, as well as, you know, uh, 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 yeah, portrait format. You kind of you have to kind of work out ways of um, making an image work so it could be reconfigured. Sure. Um, so I, I've done that a few times. And finally, like, is, is there any like a piece of advice that you might pass on to somebody who's, um, you know, picking up the pen or the paintbrush for the first time, someone who's maybe looking to make a career out of illustration, um, you know, any, any bit of wisdom that maybe has been passed down to you uh, from, from somebody else? Well, or... first thing I'd say is don't bother because I don't want the competition. Uh, <laughs> the main thing is, of course, uh, you know, the, the and illustration has just changed you know so much over the last 40 years it's you know in terms of who commissions where it gets commissioned i mean you know in the early 80s uh, there were a lot of agents who were you know illustration agencies and um everybody who's on their books would be busy all the time and you know you know, a lot of illustrators churning out stuff and you know just i guess styles have changed and um requirements have changed and uh you know stuff has gone online now so uh Possibly, um, you know, book covers, magazine work, all that stuff is, um, you know, kind of no longer available in the quantity that it used to be. So that you know, the the need for commissioning has changed, and um, I do find that mostly people are responsible for commissioning 
illustration, we're probably um, uh, less familiar with the with the way kind of a, uh, I guess, um, how do we put this? Where, um, yeah, I guess that they don't they don't understand the process mm-hmm. so much um, now because yeah, you know, it's not requirement of the job. I guess so, you know, you kind of commission something like here's the image and uh, and that's it. Um, whereas in the 80s, you know, art directors were very familiar with them. Um, they, they had very good working relationships with illustrators, knew exactly how illustration was done and, um, you know, what, what, what was possible, what wasn't, and also understanding, you know, how long things would take to do. If they wanted, you know, a very good job, you know, quite often you just had to allow mm-hmm. time, you know, the, the artist time to create that work. Whereas now I think people express stuff instantly and um, are, are less, you know, inclined to, um, give you that kind of a, that, that breathing space. Um, so I, I, I've, yeah, again, you learn how to do, do work fast. You, you do, um, I guess the minimum amounts you can get away with in order to create the, the maximum image, uh, um, effect. And, uh, you know, that's not cheating at all. It's just literally, you know, you do what you have to do to, to get to where you need to be, but you don't go any further than that because that's just like, um, it, indulgence really though it's just not you know you're not going to be paid for that anymore um, than you would be with the image you've already created um but yeah again it's you know there is a, a it's it always goes back to saying about trust that the client you know has to trust you to deliver the job that's best for that particular subject and you know best for their their, their requirements um but in terms of um advice you know people starting out you know one thing i did learn very fast is that you can't pick and choose your jobs mm. um if you're if you're being freelance you, you you have to be able to accept that you're going to be doing stuff that you're not going to get excited about and um you know that certainly was the case for so the first 20 years of my mm-hmm. uh career as such um but some um, doing a lot of work which uh it i, I wouldn't even have guessed that i'd be you know doing stuff for yeah. educational stuff especially was um very odd that you because the stuff had to be very visual and uh, very specific, and um, you know, it, it was uh, you, you scramble around looking for reference for stuff. I mean, you know, for instance, I remember it's just a classic example would be, um, you know, that the client needed an image of a sort of a, uh, I think it was like so specific, it was like a twelve-year-old boy falling in front of a train in Cairo, um, and it was like it, it, it had to kind of, you know, so they were you, to you get think, the guy, the train stations in Cairo, you don't think. I had to kind of find images of a mm. train station in in, in Cairo, and of course the, the the trains themselves would have a particular look. And then mm. it's like making sure this boy looked like he was twelve years old, and you know they, how, how would they be dressed and stuff like that. So yeah, it was a very specific thing. And um, uh, yeah, so so I, I, yeah, I learned pretty quickly that you know you you you, you should expect to do um the unexpected yeah. <laughs> basically. And not be precious about you know your work. So uh, I, you know, it's only in the last again, so about eight years that I've actually just found myself doing pretty much the work I like doing, and not having to um, find myself doing other things which um, you know perhaps I wouldn't would be enjoying so much. So that's just a, a luxury situation, and um, that's really just come about because of um, I've been doing such a long time. <laughs> so, uh, I guess people will come to me for, for the work that I like doing um, because they know that's that's you know that, that's what they want at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got a, a new book coming out. I had one um, out a couple of years ago and it, I, I was very specific that um, 
in the last book and this new book as well that I've got a stage by stage of a job so that people can see how um, exactly how I work. Um, you know, there's there's no um, mystery to it at all. Though not I'm very happy to um, show people what the working method is because I think it's important. If that, um, for exactly the reason you you you've asked me, yeah, is the advice? Well, the advice is in that um, that section of the book, hopefully, which, which will um, allow people to uh, get an understanding about how, how, how you know a real life job works. Um, I mean. Uh, as regards where illustration is commissions now, I mean, yes, obviously there are, um, you know, um, physical media, you know, Blu-ray covers, things like that, record cover work, um, some, you know, certain amount of poster work. No, it's not, illustration is not mainstream in film posters really anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's appropriate for some things, I guess, they, but mostly it's going to be in a sort of more independent um sort of film area and that that's you know the budget's going to be a lot lower but um you know you, you can probably play around and experiment a bit more and have more fun uh in, in the sort of independent sector anyway too uh but yes the, 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 the big growth thing has been in the last few years is in gaming and um that's really where a lot of illustration work has gone mm-hmm. um it's remained you know um developing games it's all one of visual work that has to go on um to, to create those worlds, I guess, so in, in the look. Um, so yeah, it's really kind of understanding where your market is. If you want to, if you want to be, you know, success, a successful illustrator and actually earning a living, you have to understand where that work is going to be and actually tailoring your work for that um, for that market. Huge thank you to Graham for being so generous with his time. It's really interesting to get some uh, perspective and insight onto how uh, poster and album illustrations are made, something that I basically knew nothing about. Um, and it's always really interesting to speak to somebody who's worked on some uh, such iconic work. Uh, so yeah, huge thank you to Graham again for uh, for taking me through all of that. Just a really interesting and talented bloke. Um I think this is probably the first episode we've had that isn't kind of strictly filmmaker focused. Uh, but I think it's really important for us to kind of get an understanding of as many different aspects of the industry as we can and generally just how things work. And also it's just kind of interesting, you know, um, and hopefully it kind of gives you guys a bit of perspective on maybe how that um, the workflow for illustration and posters kind of happens so that when it comes time to get that kind of work done for your film, you already kind of have a bit of an understanding of how it works. Um, but yeah, well, that, that'll do it for this week. Uh, huge thank you to Graham again, and a huge thank you to you for listening. We will be back next week when we speak with filmmaker and author Janine Pipe as we wrap up season one. Until then, stay weird, stay spooky, keep up the good work. Oh.